Before I begin the homily, I would like to invite all of you just to take a moment and to remember Father Jan in our prayers as he's on his pilgrimage to Fatima and to Lourdes with the Archbishop and with many members of our Archdiocese. So I'd like to invite all of you to take just a brief moment to remember Father Jan in our prayers. It's not easy to lead. It's not easy to be in a position of leadership, right? Many of you here are in positions of leadership, right? Whether it be in your business, in your home, where have you, right? So I'd like to invite you as we celebrate the Sunday liturgy to unite our prayers with Father Jan in this moment. I think if we were to put together all of the post-its and all of the emails and all of the reports and all of the bills that come across our desk every day, I think we would have a formidable amount of words, right, that we look at every day. And whether we like it or not, having that amount of stuff coming at us we naturally develop this habit of going to the essential. Right? I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's definitely happened to me where you get emails and you're responding to this email and it ends up that you're not even responding to what the person was really asking right? because you skipped about four or five lines, you're trying to get to the catchphrase, and you totally miss what that person is saying. I think that happens to us because of the amount of stuff that comes at us, the amount of information that hits us on a daily basis. And the same thing can happen when we come to our Sunday liturgy and we read the gospel, right? Without wanting to do this, we can get in a mode where we start reading the gospel and we say, okay, yeah, that's that gospel where Jesus says, you know, get behind me, Satan. He's talking about the cross. Okay, got it. Right? And we can miss some of the message that's there. Right? So in this Sunday's homily, I just want to highlight a few things that maybe have slipped through the cracks, right? And draw out some of the depths that we have in our gospel today. Right? The gospel sets, starts out and it says, Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Right? And how many of you, when you were hearing that, immediately, like a little red light went off and said, okay, discard, useless information, right? And we're like, okay, let's get to the good stuff. I don't care where you're going to. It doesn't make any difference to me, right? You could have been in New York City for all I care. Let, let's see what Jesus is going to say and do. But it's actually very important, and that's why Mark includes it in the gospel, right? Let's imagine that you were going with your family to the Football Hall of Fame, right, in Canton, Ohio. And more likely than not, on the way there, you probably won't be talking about ballerinas or, I don't know, the latest, who knows what. You're probably going to start talking about football players, right? We're going to go see the Football Hall of Fame. You're going to start talking about different football players and football and how amazing they are and who's my favorite, who's your favorite. Well, in Caesarea Philippi, there was this huge temple to the Greek god Pan. And not only was there this huge temple to the Greek god Pan, but there were all these other niches in the side of this cliff. 
that were dedicated to countless Greek and Roman gods and goddesses. So now we start to see the picture a little bit. Jesus is setting out with his disciples to the villages that are in this area. And immediately, probably what came to mind in the disciples was this shrine to so many gods and goddesses, so many divinities there. And so it's natural that Jesus would have turned to his disciples, and maybe they were even talking about this place, and he turns to his disciples and he says, who do the people say that I am? Why we're talking about all these different gods. And he turns to his disciples and says, who do the people say that I am? And it says, and they said in reply, that means all the disciples are saying, you know, hey, John the Baptist, the people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're one of the prophets, right? The disciples are excited. Why? Because they were famous, <laughs> right? They're saying, Jesus, wow, this is, this is amazing. They think you're John the Baptist. They think you're Elijah. You're think you, they think you're one of the prophets, Right? And if we read in between the lines, the disciples are saying, they think we're awesome. Right? That's why they're all speaking. They're rattling off one thing after the other. And we can imagine Jesus kind of nodding his head. And then all of a sudden, he turns to them and he says, but who do you say that I am? Right? And unfortunately, the gospel is written right, and not spoken. At one time, it was spoken. And we need to insert there a long pause. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Very interesting, because it doesn't say, and they replied. <laughs> no one pipes up now, right? Only Peter. And Peter says, you are the Christ. How often the same thing happens in my life? Right? People come up to us and they ask us, well, what does the Catholic Church teach on such and such? And what does the Catholic Church say about this and that? And what does the Catechism say about this and that? And we're very quick to quote numbers of the catechism we know it all by heart and there's three persons one god and there's two natures and jesus and blah 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 but in the end the real question is who do i say that jesus christ is who is he really for me not what does the book say who is he for me? And all I have to do is look at my life. Right? I have to look at the way I live my life. Right? We read in the second reading how James says that faith without works is dead. And he speaks about how I will show you my faith through my works. And what happens right after Jesus asks this question? Well, it's something that happens in the life of every disciple of Jesus Christ, right? 
Jesus starts to speak about suffering. He starts to speak about the cross. And the same thing happens in our life. Right? It's very easy to say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but it's a very different thing to live it. So much so that Peter, you know, you can imagine Peter, he probably puts his arm around Jesus and goes, Jesus, 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 right? And he takes him off to the side. And he says, no, the suffering thing, <laughs> you know, you got it all wrong. Right? You're supposed to bring us back to the glory of Israel, right? You're the Messiah. The Messiah is supposed to take away suffering, not give it to us. And what does Jesus say? He says, Get behind me, Satan. Right? And before we get confused, right? Because this can be a startling phrase, right? When we hear Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan, right? We can think, well, Jesus kind of lost his temper, kind of like what we do when we're in traffic, right? And some guy cuts us off when we say, you! Right? And we call him a name or two. This is not what Jesus is doing. He's not saying, get out of here, you! Satan! No. Satan is a Hebrew word. It means the one who is opposed or the opposer, the obstacle. And just a little tidbit, in Greek you say that with the Greek word diabolos. Hence we get our word devil. That's what that means. That's what Jesus is saying. He's using a Hebrew word and he's telling Peter, don't be opposed to me. And he's not saying, get out of my sight. What does he say? He says, get behind me. And what do we do when we're behind somebody? What are we doing when we're behind somebody in traffic on I-71? We're forced to follow them. We are, whether we like it or not, following the person in front of us. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, remember, you are called to follow me. And that's the message of today's gospel. That's what I want to leave you with, right? that we ask ourselves, up to what point do I really follow Jesus Christ in my life? Not what does the book say, but what does my life say? Can I say my life is a spitting image of the life of Jesus Christ? And if I draw a blank right now and I'm saying, well, what am I supposed to do? We have to ask yourself, how well do you know the life of Jesus Christ? How well do I know what Jesus Christ said and did? How often do I read the scriptures and get to know the man? It's only then that I'm going to be able to follow. So today, the only way we're going to be able to answer that question, right? Do I follow Jesus Christ? is if I first ask myself, who do I say that Jesus Christ is? Who is he really for me?